This episode is sponsored by Kettle and Fire. What is Kettle and Fire? It's the best bone broth you've ever tasted in your entire life. Absolutely amazing. Wednesday and I both like to start our mornings off with bone broth because it's healthy. It feels good in your gut. It gives you healthy hair, nails, and skin. I mean, who doesn't want that? Plus, it tastes really good. We've even started replacing our coffee with bone broth. And I know to a lot of you guys, that sounds pretty crazy. And at first, I thought it was crazy too. And Till I did it. We're actually going three weeks of bone broth every single morning to see how we feel. Now, these come in all great sippable flavors. You can be delivered straight to your door. It's absolutely natural. They're grass-fed. Really the only product out there that I would use for bone broth. Um, and if you want to join us in this three-week bone broth health extravaganza, all you got to do is go to kettleandfire.com and type in wild love to get 10% off. Enjoy, guys. Want to know what the best gift is for the holidays? For anyone? It is an orgasm. Can you agree? <laughs> and it's an orgasm given to you by Sweet Vibrations. I know you've heard us talk about Sweet Vibrations a lot before, but it's because we're fanatics about it. They come in all kinds of awesome colors. And if somebody finds it in your drawer, you're not going to have to freak out about it because they're cute. They're pretty. They're under $50. They come with a lifetime warranty and they're going to get you to that. Oh, we absolutely love them. I know that you will love them and you can get a discount when you use the code WILDLOVE. So happy holidays. I have been a really big fan of Dr. Jana's work for a very, very long time. I found her on Instagram, I stalked her on Instagram, and then I slid into her DMs, and here she is on our show. She's an NYC-based sex educator, a researcher, a writer. She has a PhD in developmental psychology, and she teaches sexuality courses at NYU. She is a boss and so incredibly intelligent, especially when it comes to sexuality and non-monogamy. So this is an episode that we really dive into the inner workings of how open relationships and non-monogamy can work, the how-tos, how to have a conversation, what to watch out for, the ups and the downs. We really dive into this. Plus, we talk about breakups and casual sex. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Tell us about you. Give us the the view. The view. Yeah, you you teach. So I'm a developmental psychologist by training, focused on sexuality. I teach um, human sexuality classes at New York University, and I also do a lot of other things around sex education, including uh, writing and coaching and speaking, uh, especially around topics of non-monogamy and open relationships, casual sex, I love your casual sex project. Oh, yes. There is a casual sex project. Ooh, where people- yeah, I would love to talk about the oh, casual sex so project. Mm-hmm. Go on. We don't mm-hmm. want to break your flow. Keep telling no, us. No, that's, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of different things, but those are the main things these days. Speaking, coaching specifically about non-monogamy and casual sex and writing and working on my online course, on um, open relationships or for people who are curious about non-monogamy and ready to question monogamy and the standard issue. The world, a lot of people <laughs> are. Yeah, we're a lot of people are curious. Yeah. Oh, You've talked ready. to a bunch of people who've yeah. been exploring and uh, 
Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's most of the people that I talk to are wanting to transition or just have questions mm-hmm. about it or anything. Mm-hmm. So I do want to dive into that too. So you have a course yeah. that you said it's 12 weeks. Yeah. So I'm putting together this 12-week course that is meant to guide people through the whole process of figuring out what is it that they want in their relationship structure. And it's actually broader than just non-monogamy. It asks people to really think about, reflect on who they are, what they need in their lives, and um, how those needs could be satisfied in a long-term relationship with their current partner. Currently, the course is specifically for couples who are curious in potentially opening up or coming up with some other alternative relationship structure. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of take them through uh, what they want, what are some Uh, some myths and potential concerns, realistic or non-realistic that people might have about these alternative uh, relationship structures. And then what are uh, their particular um, versions that they might create the specific boundaries and limitations and um, kind of agreements that they might come up with. And then how to deal with some of the um, issues that can come up like Mm -hmm. jealousy, like um, catching feelings, Mm -hmm. like sexually transmitted infections, lack of social support and those kinds of things. So it's really about um, couples who are interested in exploring non-monogamy, figuring out if that's the right thing for them. And if it is, how to do it in a way that's safe, healthy, consensual. Because this is something that you can be interested in doing and get more information about and then say, mm, maybe it's not for me. And that's totally fine. Absolutely. But and the that fact happens. of having guidelines, the fact of somebody doing the legwork so that you could sit down and say, okay, if we want to ha- have this, here's some things that might come up. I mean, right. mm-hmm. I know we have Tristan Tarmino's book. It's mm-hmm. great. But to have an actual course and to step through it, like um, this is an adventure that you're undertaking. This is something that you can actually learn something things about. I love it. I sign me up. Yeah. I sign up for and it. I like that it's a 12 week course mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times when people try this type of relationship, something comes up and like, fuck, that hurts too much. I'm out. Like, right, right. Report, I am clearly need to be monogamous <laughs> for the rest of my life. But it's like, no, you need to, it, it, it's a process. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And there's so much growth to learn, like that you can gain from those instances. Exactly. It really is kind of a personal growth course. Yep. That is focused specifically on relationships. And it's it's not something you can do overnight. It's not something that you can, you know, read a, a book and then all of a sudden you got it. Yeah. Or have one conversation with your partner and all of a sudden we're in and we're doing it and we're done talking about it. It's, it's just oh not like goodness. that. So right. it's a process. <laughs> and through all of these exercises and thinking and talking to your partner, you figure out and then you try something, then you you talk some more, then you think about it, then you sit with it. And you know, there, there are all these, all this uh, work that needs to happen along the way. So it is a journey. And I kind of modeled it on the, the t- often 12-week coaching programs mm-hmm, that I do mm-hmm. with people and couples mm-hmm. who come in trying to explore, interested in exploring non-monogamy. And so I've learned that those 12 weeks, that 12-week period is kind of, the the I don't know the minimum uh, sure. maybe that's like people, the sweet spot it is you have sweet people's spot. attention you're mm-hmm. you're getting to the I love that you developed this course after really being in the trenches with couples or triads or polycules individuals or whatever, individuals and, yeah. and seeing on the ground this is just like you right mm-hmm. you like 
did the research. You got the anecdotal information. I know you got lots of data because I know I got you. Lots of data. I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a data lover. But the data is not enough. Yeah, it's you know, not. I used to think the data was enough. And now I know after years of kind of working on this, teaching yeah. workshops, doing the research, uh, working with clients, talking to friends about it, doing it myself. And I now realize da yeah, data is not enough. I think it's important. And so this course, I think is pretty unique. There might be a couple of other things out there, um, not really in this format, but it's unique in the sense that it combines data like what we know from research, because at this point we have a fair amount of research about non-monogamy, mm -hmm. how those relationships work, what are the you know good things yeah. about it, what are some challenges and how to navigate some of those challenges. Uh, but we also have so much anecdotal evidence right. and information and examples that are incorporated in it. So it incorporates the data, the sort of coaching uh, process, mm -hmm. uh, all the exercises, uh, that go with it. And uh, it it all does it in this couple dynamic. So you have conversations with your mm. partner as you go through it. And then do you offer support throughout the course as well? So when they're doing these exercises or they're having these challenging conversations, you can have like a coaching call or something with yes, you that's yeah, like, that's the, yeah, oh my God, save us. Yeah. <laughs> you can have that as a as an extra Great. Uh, thing. Which I would highly <laughs> recommend to you guys. <laughs> yeah, but it is something that... Um, you know, the the idea with for the course came up after I feel like I said the same thing over and mm -hmm. over and over and over mm -hmm. again so many times. Mm -hmm. Like some of the basic knowledge that people I think need to have in order to know how to navigate this is something that is I think better really presented in this like course type. Mm -hmm. And then you can have some conversations with with me as a coach that take it beyond that. Right. You know what I can see? I can really see how if you're trying to do this thing that is still quite taboo and stigmatized, mm -hmm. I can see how helpful it would be to just to have both things. I can see how it would be helpful to literally see it written out or written down and to say, this is such a thing. It's such a normal thing mm -hmm. that like, Somebody came up with guidelines. Right. It's so, you know, I think it would help people feel so normal. Normalized, that you, yeah. Yeah, that it's and it also important. Th I think it's better to have it in in a video format that you can rewatch over and over yeah. again. I mm -hmm. found myself so many times after doing a coaching session where I've told a bunch of th mm -hmm. stuff to, to my clients and then... I feel like I need to write it out again because they're like, wait, what did you say? Can you write that for me? Right. So I end mm -hmm. up like typing it out oh, right. again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. And if they just have a video, a 10 minute video of me explaining yeah, that. Just press play. It's so press good. Play. <laughs> 12 oh more times. God. Rewind, <laughs> play. I think this is going to be so popular. It's going to be great. Among other reasons, I don't really, I did a deep dive into some of these topics. I couldn't find, other than my co-host, Whitney Miller, who's a relationship coach and and has walked the walk in an open relationship for years. You, Jana, and Mark Kalp in San Diego, and Michael Moran here, and some other people. I mean, I have a hard time when people say, can you refer me to someone? Mm -hmm. So I think people are going to just, the, the need for this must be tremendous. I mean, what is the number? We know that from the census data that was crunched, was it that, um, was it 20 or 25% of all adults in the U.S. had been consensually non-monogamous at some point? There was a data point of 20% uh, of singles. Of singles, right. Singles mm -hmm. in America uh, say that they've at one point experienced some sort of a non-monogamous relationship, whatever that meant to right, them. Right, that's the, that's the question. It was consensually non-monogamous. They said that they 
yeah, the I think single the, people. The, the wording was something was about CNM. I think it was an open relationship. Have you ever been in an open relationship before? Mm. And twenty percent said that that's a big yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's and, a lot. And a lot of them cannot find support. At least, if my DMs are any indication, a mm-hmm. lot of them are really looking mm-hmm. for a therapist who won't judge them. Oh, that's mm-hmm. huge. I hear that mm-hmm. so want, often that I people come to me. I want to hear you both me. talk about that. I mean... It's not just judgment. It's also how to do it how and how ignorance. to navigate. Yeah, a lot of maybe therapists or coaches would like to help. They would like to be not... I mean, they are non-judgmental, but they just don't have the It's kind of like hiring a personal trainer who's never stepped foot in a gym. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, <laughs> definitely not going to hire you. You've never lifted a weight. Like, right. Yeah, or like I, hiring a runner to take you through through uh, strength strength training. Yeah. Like, yes, they're a fitness coach of some sort, but mm-hmm. they're a runner. Right. It's like, not their specialty. Yeah. It's not their specialty to tell you <laughs> how to do Deadlifts may not yeah. be their specialty. Yeah. Running on the other hand. Yeah. And I know from writing on True that what you guys probably hear from clients sometimes, I know from writing on True that I would be at a dinner party with a bunch of shrinks and tell them that I was writing about non-monogamy. And at one dinner party, a shrink turned to me and said, those people are sick. So, oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I was just back God's in work. Macedonia. I'm from Macedonia originally. In the summer, I was back home, and an old friend uh, at, at a dinner table, kind of asking questions about you know what I'm doing in my personal life, and uh, I was sort of telling her about my non-monogamous lifestyle, and she literally said, "I feel I, I feel sorry for you. I think you're sick." <laughs> what? Literally, those were. I'm like, what, what are you talking say? about? Oh I'm like, I'm really sorry that you have that feeling because I really, because you're really wrong. okay. I'm really Trust okay. Me, I'm, I'm really good, good. sweetheart. I'm actually <laughs> really <laughs> having some fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I, there's like uh, so many myths and misconceptions when it comes to non monogamy or open or poly or anything like mm. that. Can you talk about some of the myths that, or can we dispel some of these? Oh right my here. God, there are so many. What I know you do here. Pick, pick <laughs> well, your favorite two. Yeah. <laughs> favorite two. <laughs> or least favorite, as the case may be. You know, what do you think are the two that people are really confronting when they become non-monogamous, when they decide? I think one of the main ones that I, I hear is these relationships just don't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work, right? I it, hear that it, from people are, all the time. Uh, I have never seen an open relationship right. that has worked. Right. I'm like, I've seen many. (laughs) And the research is showing that on things like relationship satisfaction, sexual satisfaction, trust, intimacy, connection, communication, emotional intelligence. Well, these are all relationship uh, qualities. But if you ask people about how, how's your relationship doing? Like how much trust is there? How much, Mm -hmm. uh, how good is your communication? How much intimacy is there between you? How satisfied are you with your relationship? All of these relationship quality indicators, there is no difference and we find this over and over right. and over again in research when you compare monogamy, monogamous relationships with non-monogamous relationships, there seems to be no difference. They are pretty yeah. similar on average. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean that all open relationships are flourishing, just like not all monogamous relationships are flourishing. Right. But on average, there doesn't seem to be a difference. And mm-hmm. Amy Moore's research is mm-hmm. really making it clear that non-monogamy you know, requires or reinforces certain strengths, right? And that they reported lower levels of, I think it was jealousy and 
higher levels of relationship satisfaction? I mean, there's some real... It, it really depends uh, in terms of all of these relationship quality indicators. Some studies will find a small difference in this direction. On this one, uh, some other studies will find an opposite small difference in the other direction. If, I think if you if you take... And at this point, we have like good 10, maybe 15 studies. If you take all of them mm-hmm. together, it doesn't seem like there's much of a difference. If there's not yeah. one superior relationship no, style. That's exactly. just the biggest dispel thing. That yes. myth. Thank yes. you for helping <laughs> yes. us dispel that myth. That's yeah. the biggest thing. And that's what I hear a lot too, right? If open relationships don't work. Monogamy is the only way. It's like, what are like, you talking like how about? How many monogamous relationships have you seen that didn't work? Or also, what does healthy. work mean? Right. Exactly. What like, how are we mean? defining yeah. what work mm. means? Till death do us part? I mean, how many times have... Do we know anyone? I certainly don't personally. Um, I do, but I don't think that's a very good indicator of success. Or it's, happiness. Yeah. Like, like, just duration. Yeah. Is duration our only measure of success? grind no. this out together, honey. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, I, I think uh, satisfaction, mm. you know, how happy are you in that relationship while it lasts mm. should be the indicator, yep. not how long it lasted. Because you could be in a 30-year relationship that you were miserable in. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but Why is that I don't success? care. Yeah. How is that success? <laughs> Your success is, is getting life? out of that relationship yeah. if you're miserable in it. And exactly. I think that goes into another topic of being of, of realizing that when you end a relationship, it's not a failure. It's not like I wasted all of this time with you or you failed that relationship. Mm. It's mm. you probably had some really great time there. You hopefully may have, you did. Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And if it was challenging, hopefully you learned something from it. So it's not a failure when you move forward into another relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think it is like, what is Absolutely. your success? Your success is happiness. If you're not happy in that relationship, then your success is getting, getting out, out of that relationship. Yeah. yeah I, I or have changing this thing. it. Or changing if it's it. possible, yeah. I, I always, Taking your course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or any other kind of personal growth that you can do around that. Because, yes, sometimes you can change things, but sometimes you can't. I, I like to say that the, the only um, unsuccessful relationship only is the one that you stay in past mm-hmm. its ex- expiration date. Mm, yeah. Right? Because... Yeah, as long as you enjoy the time that you've spent with someone and maybe learn from it and experience personal growth, that's a good relationship. Beautiful. Right. Whether it's a day <laughs> long, and of course, we get into very casual relationships at this point, but I think that there's a lot of beauty that can happen in one day long relationships if mm-hmm. you put as much as you can and the other person puts as much as they can into it and uh, you have a moment of connection or a few hours or, you know, however long that make you feel good about yourself, you enjoy it, Mm. you maybe learn something from it, you experience human connection on multiple levels. You can totally do that within a few hours and you can do that with, you know, a few months, few years. And then if you walk away, that's that's okay when it's mm-hmm. time to walk away. I really love the way you and Aubrey ended your relationship sort mm-hmm. of on, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you did it publicly too. I hope your listeners you know, are, are aware of, of that. And yeah. if they're not, they should yeah. go back and watch right. <laughs> that video of you because I think that's a beautiful way of showing that when a relationship ends, it doesn't have to be this horrible thing where you start hating each other and have all these... Yeah, it, it's it was the love is still there. It was just we needed something different, right? And so we decided to end that specific container that we were in. And honestly, now we we haven't even fully talked about this yet, but we are 
in the best place that we've ever mm. been. And we're in a relationship without the the label of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So we have no expectations. We have no agreements other than to really show up and be present with each other and love each other and enjoy each other. We can we still go on trips and he's supporting. We're actually doing what we've always wanted to do in our relationship now. And it took just kind of like the stripping away of the fears and the insecurities, which scares the shit out of most people, right? Because we in the relationship, what does that mean for mm. us? And it was scary and it was hard for, you know, probably a good month or so. And we still have road like road bumps that come up. We're like, whoa, wait, there is jealousy all of a sudden. But we're working through it in a much better and healthier and, and loving way. And I think we needed that break. We needed mm. that split. We needed whatever we want. That transition is what we're calling it. Right. We said we don't like the word breakup. Break, it's a yeah. tough yeah. word, right? It it's, is a it's, tough word. It's like um, this branch is off the tree. Fuck it. Like, yeah. just throw <laughs> Get it out of here. And that's not what you did at all. And I think a lot of people don't want to do that. And we talked a little bit with Lewis Howes, I remember, about how sometimes the language almost pushes people into a corner, right? Right. With the breakup. It's, yeah, like, it's have, a lot to go against language and you guys did it. Mm-hmm. I think calling it transitions, thinking or th- thinking of them and mm-hmm. calling them relationship transitions interesting. is the way to go because you are transitioning into a different type of relationship mm-hmm. that might be, it might be you never see each other again and you don't want to talk about it. Okay, that's just one of many possible options mm-hmm. for how this can change. But yeah. you can be friends. You can be friends with benefits. You can be occasional uh, fuck buddies. You can be, I don't know, occasional acquaintances. Mm-hmm. You can be best friends. Something. You can be roommate. I'm roommates with my ex-husband. Well, occasional roommates because he also lives in Colorado half of the time. But oh. when he is in New York, we have a two-bedroom apartment and he's my roommate. right. And and really close friend. And we transitioned our relationship from a marriage to this really beautiful friendship. And I kind of had the similar experience as Whitney, where after that transition, we were in the best place that we've ever been before. People don't believe it's possible. They don't. Because they don't, yeah. part of it's the language. Divorced. And, right. Broke up. Broke up. I have more and more people coming up now that they know that I've experienced that kind of transition with in, in my long-term relationship. They're like, how do I do this? I'm breaking up with my mm-hmm. partner. How do I do it? Oh. In a way that yeah. it's not a breakup, it's a transition. Right. And, and, and just thinking, like getting creative, like how you can build your relationship together if you're living together or whatever. In that relationship, there's an infinite way to do it. Just like there's an infinite way to create the transition of that relationship as well. And, you know, I have a great girlfriend of mine who just went through a breakup and and the boyfriend was saying, well, I just know how I am. I just have to completely cut her off. That's the only way I can do it. And I'm like, I bet it's not. Ouch. Just because you've done that before so many times doesn't mean that you have to continue to do that. And mm-hmm. I know that you don't want to do that. And he doesn't. And mm-hmm. now I was just like, I encourage you to just get really curious to see if there's another way of moving mm-hmm. through this and another way to transition into this. Not that it won't be hard, but just get curious and look at that. And that's exactly what they're doing. And it's, yes, it's challenging, but it's challenging they're for sure. happier having each other in their lives because... The love is there. It didn't go anywhere. And it's it's not the, we can never, no longer talk. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk to any of your friends and don't see me out. Oh and God. we can't end up at the same, same bar. Party. Yeah. 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 If that's, oh, my God. oh, my God. Imagine if that's the only roadmap. And for a long time, that mm-hmm. was the only roadmap, right? The like, mm-hmm. break off the branch and throw it Pretend in the like fire. you never existed. I mean, what else? With this person that you were, you were supposedly 
so in love with and it's so much in common right. with. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're the worst enemy that you've ever had. Like, oh my God. Just... Will you, after this non-monogamy <laughs> online course, will you do a course on transitioning your relationship to Actually, something new? Actually, the last module in that course is going to be on these gentler re- relationship transitions. So oh, thank God. <laughs> you're, you're like really taking the bull by the horns. I monogamy, breaking up, you're changing the language, it, you're changing the possibilities for people. I, I think there's so much potential. And it's interesting how this is happening, but there's so much potential for everybody, not just people who want to live this super extreme in a way, non-monogamous poly lifestyle, because mm-hmm. you can, there, there are many shades of gray from complete, utter monogamy. You don't even look at anyone else but me, right? right? All the way to, I don't know, like crazy poly with seven different relationships and metamors and I don't know what, or, or the, you know, we have... 20 people orgies every weekend or 150 mm-hmm. people sex parties every weekend. Like that is the other end of the spectrum. But there's so many gradations in yeah. between that that people can explore and play around with and experiment with and see what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And I think very often when people think open or poly, they think about that extreme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which for a lot of people is like, no, that's not where I want to go now or ever. And if that's the only version of openness that that exists, then that's clearly not for me. But what this course is really trying to do is bring it, and I think we should all talk about non-monogamy or alternative relationship styles in in this way that it's it's something that there's a lot to learn Mm -hmm. for everybody. And regardless of what you end up doing and where on that spectrum you end up landing in this relationship and then things might be different two years down the line in the same relationship or things might be somewhat different in in a different relationship that you're in afterwards. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of want to bring a lot of those lessons that that um, exist, like yeah. around communication and openness and setting boundaries and um, um, exploring your needs and how those different needs can be met and having some of those conversations with partners that we often don't have. I mean, I think people can't even imagine it sometimes. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, I think that part of what you two are both doing from slightly different directions, but you're allowing people to imagine things Mm -hmm. by giving them the language and the examples. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you know, this is, it's a big change. It's a big swerve for people to be able to imagine something other than a linear relationship where you start it, Mm -hmm. you stay monogamous, you're married and that's commitment. Oh, by the way, you live, live together. together. You have to live together, <laughs> right? right? Of course. And then in the same bedroom. And then if things go wrong, you have to divorce. The, like this is mm-hmm. the narrow lane. I'm really hopeful that my kids will actually in my lifetime. I am very hopeful that people will actually in the mainstream, thanks to the work that you guys and people like you are doing. I do think that in our lifetime. Like, we're going to see a generation of kids with different expectations of relationships and marriage. I don't know. What do you think? Yep. I totally agree. Could it be that quick? Because it seems like it's happening quickly in a way. There's resistance. But what do you think? I want to know, (laughs) Jana. It's hard to predict. And also, the U.S. is such a big country, (laughs) right? And so diverse. It's one thing to see what's happening on the coasts in Mm -hmm. the big cities. It's another thing to see what's happening in the small towns and the suburbs Mm -hmm. and and I, I think that variability will continue to exist. But I think there will be more and more kids growing up with having seen alternative options and having at least considered them. So I think, and we're already seeing it. 
the swingers of yesterday, of right. the older generation, were all people who started doing something like that, opening up the relationships in their late 30s, 40s, sometimes 50s, after many, many years of monogamy, never once having considered it or tried it as younger adults. Now we are seeing a lot more people in, who are 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. already thinking about it, mm -hmm. maybe trying it out. Uh -huh. And so we're already seeing that generational shift. There was a there was a YouGov poll uh, that was supposedly a nationally representative sample. It wasn't published in the mm -hmm. academic literature, but it they try to get these relatively representative samples. Yeah, they do weighted samples and yeah. stuff like that. And they, they asked, what's your ideal relationship style or what would be your ideal relationship style on a scale of something like one completely monogamous to seven completely non-monogamous. And among the younger generation, the ones that were 18 to 30, something like... 50 or, oh my God, no, maybe even more, 60% of them said that it was their ideal relationship style would be something other than uh, monogamy. Right? Wow. And most of them were on the, like maybe tiny, tiny little right. bit, you know, they weren't all sevens. In right. fact, very few people very were all few. the way uh -huh. to seven, but there was clearly curiosity yeah. around something mm. other than complete lifelong monogamy. Mm -hmm. And as I said, there's so many different ways to bring in a little bit of that from flirting here and there, you yeah. know, a little fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, a little flirting here and there with right. somebody else, a little um, a makeout session. Sexting. Sexting, yeah, online, mm -hmm. something that doesn't involve physical touch. I mean, different, so many different options. Mm -hmm. Maybe the once a year... Hall pass. Hall pass. <laughs> so yeah, when you travel. Go or, ahead. Travel rules. Some mm -hmm. people have told me that they're into travel rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can go to a sex party and just watch. I'm always recommending that. Yeah. When people, when women say I'm bored of monogamy mm. or like I have low desire, often low desire in a long-term relationship for a woman means. Boredom. Yeah. Get some variety and novelty and adventure. Mm -hmm. And I've said so many times, maybe I first heard it from you. You can go to a sex party. You know, mm -hmm. you can just watch. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Or play with your partner. Yeah. If you have some, you know, exhibitionistic tendencies have sex with your partner without involving anyone else. Mm -hmm. Just being Perfect. watched, that's going to bring so much excitement and, you know, <sighs> like heat to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. just and then go home and you're going to have the best sex club. afterwards. I'm what? just thinking about how we have to bring you to Skirt Club. Skirt Club. Yes, I still have not been to Skirt oh, Club. Oh, come on. We're going to have <laughs> We went on Friday. We did we a live podcast from there. Oh, nice. How yeah. was it? It was great. And to your point, I'm sure a lot of those women went home and exactly mm -hmm. as you said, mm -hmm. um, went home and had great sex with their primary partner yeah. after having some adventure and novelty and variety at Skirt Club. Maybe not having done something or maybe, but mm -hmm. thank you for that. Like, what a great recommendation. You don't have to do anything. Also, you can just talk about it with your partner. Sometimes just yes. the fantasy yeah. of or sharing the fantasy during sex or before or after or whatever. It's just playing around with it. Yeah, the can third be super is such hot. a powerful idea. It can just like mm -hmm. work for people just to mm -hmm. talk about it, right? Yeah, you don't have to put it in practice. And that's one of the things as I'm going through the course and as I do with, with clients, it's like test things out. You don't have to do them. You can, yeah. you can have desires that are kind of like question marks in your head. They don't, just because you thought of something, just because you fantasize of something doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. Doesn't mean your partner has to do it. Doesn't mean you're going to be miserable if you never do it. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's going to be the best thing ever if you did do it. Like it's, right. it's a hypothesis in a way. And you can 
test it out in different ways. You can play around with it. Yeah. We were talking to Justin Lemiller about this kind of specific thing, like fantasy versus mm-hmm. desire. Fantasy is something that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that can stay in your head, right? Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to do it, but it's something that you're thinking about doing it. And then if it crosses over to, to desire, it's something that you really actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you can do something and then try it on and say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that really wasn't for me. Yeah. Or hell yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it doesn't, you don't have to commit with, if, if you're exploring this, right? You don't, just because you have a desire to do something, doesn't have to co- doesn't have to mean you commit and you you and your partner agree that okay we're gonna do this doesn't mean you're gonna have to do it forever and ever mm-hmm. if it doesn't work you sort of you can always go back right and, and so, it's not like if it doesn't work you're like oh broke it yeah broke the relationship That's yeah it. <laughs> it's over now hopefully not <laughs> yeah you can think of it as this is an experiment and let's see how it goes and then you go back and you analyze okay what do we like about this what do we not like how, how if we're mm-hmm. gonna do it again how would we do it differently. Right. And so on. You know, we get a lot of questions from our listeners about open relationships. And one of the questions that we got, and we were, we just couldn't wait to get you here because we said, let's have Dr. Jana answer mm-hmm. this question. Um, not to give away too much about your course, but maybe it could be a little teaser for people. We hear a lot from women, especially saying, I want to propose opening up our relationship, but how do I do that without hurting my partner? Do you have advice about that? based on your experience and data and That's, anecdotal data? That is really common, right? Because one of the fears mm-hmm. is I'm not enough, right? There, or there is, I mean, there's so many, there's so many myths, going back to the myths, the the other myth, right? Mm. <laughs> that is probably the most, the most common and the most um, preventing people from even trying this out is that belief that if you want non-monogamy, that means there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with your partner, or there's something wrong with the relationship, right? There's no other reason why you might want this. And so you bringing it up means... It's an attack almost. Yeah. In in our society's Mm -hmm. mindset Mm -hmm. around it. Yeah. Um, And so it it is a delicate thing. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to give advice that is going to be true of everybody. Right. Because it all depends on what kinds of conversations have you already had? What is your partner like? You know, some people, yes, if you you say something like that, they'll be like, no way, period, or you're sick, or, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'm I'm out of here immediately, right? Other people will be more flexible and some people might be, oh, yeah, I kind of like that. So (laughs) it's... Depending on where they're at. So mm-hmm. it's really difficult to give a generalized advice. I usually ask a little more about, okay, what have you right, already discussed? Yeah, I have to, you have to have some context. But some it sounds context, like if everybody's, if if people might feel criticized, it sounds like there are ways to kind of cut that off at the pass with what you say. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, yeah, absolutely. I think there, there, are, there are a couple of things that, are good to do when when bringing that up. And one is providing a lot of reassurance to the partner that this is not a, an attempt to end the relationship or or that you're not satisfied that this is something that you want to... Uh, although it depends. Sometimes it might come from something that you're not getting, from a mm. need that you're not getting met. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's okay too. But there's there needs to be some reassurance that you love them, that the, the relationship means... <sighs> something to you that's very important and that this is not an attempt to walk away from the relationship. Even if we're talking about, because sometimes you might 
want to open up because you just want to bring in even more fun and pleasure and excitement than you already have. And sometimes it might be because, well, I don't know, maybe I have some other sexual desires that my partner doesn't share with me, or Mm -hmm. I want to play with people with different kinds of bodies that my partner simply doesn't have or something like that. Uh, But even in that case, that doesn't mean that there's something lacking between Mm -hmm. us that, or that there's there's something wrong mm-hmm. between us. Right. This is just one thing that we don't have an overlap in. And if I can get and get that, get that need met elsewhere, then there's nothing wrong here. Right. It's like, right. I love tennis and you don't, and I really want to play tennis. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just letting you know, I would really love to be able to play tennis in my and, life. And then I'll come back <laughs> right. after my tennis yeah, And then game. we can do mm-hmm. all these other things that we like to do together. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's uh, well, I love tennis. I know, I know you do too, but I really like to play with different people mm-hmm. and experience different kinds of tennis playing styles. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> right? Sometimes I want to play doubles and sometimes I, whatever. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I want to play with left-handed people and right-handed people. This tennis analogy is lit. You guys use the tennis analogy. It seems it's a good one. But so anyway, we're we're getting a little sidetracked. I think providing reassurance that you love them, that you want to stay with them, that you know this is that the relationship is important to you is is really important Um, when when bringing it up. Doing it in a way that's positive, like finding the right time and place to do it Mm -hmm. when people are in a good place. Like, Like, don't bring it up during a fight (laughs) or or right after you had a fight. Right when you're about to. I want to fuck other people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Give yourself some time (laughs) to actually talk about it and process it. Also, you don't have to have all of the conversation in in one go. Mm -hmm. People... Sometimes, you know, you give some information and then you let them process and sort of think about it because maybe you've been thinking about it, about this for two years and been reading about it already and and have a lot of context and knowledge. And this is the first time that they're ever really considering it. And so they need some time as well. Uh, I also think it's a good idea to give people, to give your partner a general idea of what exactly do you mean when you say, I want to open up? Mm, Because there's so many different ways that you could potentially have an open relationship. Mm, Right. And some forms of that are a lot more threatening to people than other forms of that. And if you say, I want to open a relationship, to you, that might mean, I want to have a threesome with you and another person. But in their mind, you might be saying, they might be hearing you as saying, I want to go on separate dates mm-hmm. with with other people. And like get really and, seriously emotionally right. involved. Yeah. And, right. and for your partner, separate dates might be very far from where scary, they're at and very scary. Are. But a threesome might actually be fun. Mm-hmm. But if you don't sort of specify, get they, into it. Yeah, yeah. they are going to go, their minds often will go to the worst possible scenario that they're imagining. Right, right. Especially when you're talking about your sexual partner doing something mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can see how the catastrophic thinking or the titillating thing, mm-hmm. whatever, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're saying Or right it might away, be the opposite, too. Like, for some people, it might be the opposite. For some mm-hmm. people, they don't like group sex or whatever. For whatever reason, they're not interested in that. But they might be totally okay with separate dates things, especially if it's when you travel or, you know, when I mm-hmm. don't have to be around that. And so there are different things that will work for different people. Again, just because it's open doesn't mean there's one way of doing open. And so it's not one way right. of doing open is going to work for everyone. So it's, it's about finding that fit. So I think 
maybe not going into details the first time you bring it up, mm-hmm. but have a little bit of specificity around right. what it is that you're really talking about. I don't know, mm-hmm. what, Whitney, what have you found? Yeah, no, I think, I think opening, that's a... Bring it up. Yeah, I think that's a really good... All of those are really good points. It's something that I absolutely talk about too. Um, and I think... Also, you can have the conversation knowing that there's some sort of like a little bit of pacing too. Um, So if you're going to have this conversation, it helps to be able to talk about it intellectually a little bit and understand it like you're saying. Have a little idea of kind of what you want and let your partner think about it and and come up with what they want and have their questions and you have your questions because you're not going to have all of the answers Mm -hmm. right out of the gate. You know, a a lot of the stuff that comes up with open or poly is only comes up with practice. Mm-hmm. You don't know how you're really going to respond until you're put in that situation. So a lot, there are loose ends. And so- Lots of loose lots ends. Lots of loose fact. ends. And sometimes we're terrible. We're often terrible at predicting yeah. how we're going to feel mm-hmm. after something. Yeah. So we often think in the context of poly, oh, this thing is a hard limit. I could never deal with that. And then your partner does it and you're like, oh, that Actually, was no big deal. Right. And then the opposite is also true. You think, I got this. Like this thing- no problem. And then and your then partner you does it. You're like, oh my God. Run to your knees. <laughs> yeah. So giving each other kind of like time and space to talk about it intellectually. Maybe it's reading books. Maybe it's taking mm-hmm. the workshop. Maybe it's listening to podcasts. I mean, I always recommend that. And that's something that Aubrey and I did too, was we read books, we mm-hmm. listened to podcasts, and we just sat down and talked about it without the pressure of actually doing it right, right that next weekend <laughs> yes. or something. Yes, definitely and give you know, each other some time. Along those lines, one thing that I like to say to people is, they say, how will I bring this up? And I say, blame me. Just say, I was reading this (laughs) book about women and monogamy Mm -hmm. and non-monogamy. What do you think about these ideas? Or like, I was, you know, Dr. Jana was talking on this podcast and she's like, what Mm -hmm. do you think about that? You can triangulate. Mm -hmm. It's not being devious. It's not being strategic. It's Opening a conversation—it's like really? opening the door. But it's not even—it's not devious. It's—it's no. it's accurate. I was—I mean, that person yes. was listening right, exactly. to this podcast, mm-hmm. right? And that yeah. did give them ideas around how to discuss and what this is and how this could work. And so it's very authentic, I yeah. think, to bring it up, right? <laughs> and if your partner's like, "Well, is that something that interests you?" Then maybe that's when you could say. Yeah, I'm maybe. considering I'm it. Considering I'm it. curious. I yeah, I'm mm-hmm. curious about it. I don't really know, but mm-hmm. I'm. I would like to have this conversation, just kind exactly. of see where we stand, and and just talk about it. And I think keeping that relatively soft and gentle that conversation mm-hmm. without like it has to be this way, or you know, right. like asking your partner to have to give you an answer right that minute. I think that's asking too much. And it, yeah, it's usually right. a recipe it's, for disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're so, talking about a big shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So curiosity, asking questions, coming to it with, I don't know, this is what I'm thinking or feeling. I want, I want to know what you are thinking and feeling. And we don't have to have any resolution right now. Right. I would love to hear more, learn more. Both of us are here to learn so more. So the people who asked us how to broach the topic of opening up your relationship, rewind this. Listen <laughs> to it several go. times because this is great advice from Dr. Jana about... And Whitney. And, and Whitney. Mm-hmm. And me. Yes, ways, all of us. This is a great threesome we have going on here. There. Mm. Uh, what <laughs> was that about CNN right now? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Are we, we going to turn into this uh, into our own private skirt club afterwards? Yes. I think people um, should just guess should. <laughs> about what happens. We have to go in a few minutes, but there is something else. We had other questions from other listeners, and one in particular 
do you think um, should we ask Dr. Jana about jealousy, the which just word. comes up repeatedly yeah. in the in the little bit of time <laughs> remaining? Is it possible to Such do justice <laughs> to just addressing it a little bit? I mean, other than telling people that it's normal. Mm-hmm. Do you have? Just, I mean, it's such a big question. Um, I bet you get into it in your online course, <laughs> oh my God, right? Yeah, there's a whole module on jealousy. Um, so maybe because I mean, I get hit up as like, how do you handle jealousy within relationships? Like, what are just some tips? Oh, I wish there was a, a a quick and and easy, dirty way to do that. Um, it, it's it. it it's emotion. It's an emotion. Jealousy is an emotion. I think people are really afraid of jealousy. Yes. Okay, let me, so let me just scary. say this because there's so many different things that we can say. But I think the first step is start fearing jealousy as much as we do because all the other emotions, negative. we have plenty of other negative and unpleasant emotions. We have anger, we have frustration, we have other fears of other things. And all of those we can conquer and we are taught that we should conquer and that we can conquer. This is one that for some reason we're taught, oh, there's nothing you can do about it except run mm-hmm. away or prevent mm-hmm. your partner from doing whatever it is that they're doing that's causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we have control over it. And just like with any other emotion, like somebody pisses you off, makes you angry, you want to punch them in the face. Yeah, but you don't most of the time. <laughs> right. You don't go around punching everyone who pissed you off you in the don't. face. <laughs> Because you've decided that that's not how you want to deal with your anger. Because you've decided that that's not what you want to, uh, how you want to treat other people. Maybe because you also don't want to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> there's that too. But you can sort of treat jealousy the same way. And yeah, it's unpleasant and uncomfortable. But you can work through it. You can deal with it. You can um, working. And I think the the two major ways of working on your jealousy is making yourself feel better about yourself. So strengthening your own sense of self and mm-hmm. happiness and self-esteem on one side, it, assuring yourself more and more that you're a lovable person. And on the other hand, uh, strengthening your relationship with your partner, making sure that you feel that you're loved in the current relationship. Mm-hmm. So the combination of feeling worthy of love and being lovable, right? And on the other hand, uh, being loved in this current relationship. When you have those two things, the more of that you have, the less of that jealousy you experience. I right. love that. Absolutely. Because there's so much to learn when that jealousy comes up. It's going to come up and it's mm-hmm. going to be there. So what can you learn from it? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was always diving into like, I do feel like jealousy comes from certain fears and insecurities mm-hmm. That are there. And if we're not looking at them, then we won't learn from that jealousy. I used to be fucking crazy jealous back in the day. Like so jealous. And I still get jealous to this day. But the things that used to really upset me and would cause jealousy and cause me to act, in my opinion, kind of crazy are not the same things that, you know, affect me today. And I think it was because I've healed a lot of... Mm -hmm most likely the trauma from past relationships, um, um, you know, family trauma and things like that. And so mm-hmm. for me, I, now when that jealousy comes up, I'm like, okay, there's something there and I really want to look at it and see what it is because mm-hmm. it might not be ex- what my partner's mm-hmm. doing. You know, he's making out with somebody, but we have what that is, agreement. Right. But that's... What does that mean to me? Like, right. how am I interpreting why this is that and saying, why? Yes, yeah. exactly. What's causing, what's, what in my background, what in my views, mm-hmm. what in my experiences is causing me to interpret this in a very upsetting way. Mm-hmm. And so I think... I mean, I think opening up and and bringing in some of these behaviors that might cause discomfort is a great way for personal growth because 
all these things that are making you uncomfortable are in some way personal insecurities, fears, wounds of some sort that if you give them the proper treatment, like attention, care, uh, healing, self-care, conversations with yourself, with your partner, with your therapist, with your friends and process them, they do make you a better, stronger uh, person. I mean, I have to say from having interviewed people in open relationships or poly or uh, I've, what I've heard over and over and over again is people who have said, I never, I always thought I was too jealous of a person to mm, do this. Yeah. And then they have gone ahead and done it. So people mm-hmm. say that to me too. And I'm they like, do. well, uh, that was me. And if anyone <laughs> if can, can yeah, if I can change it, trust me, sweetheart, you 1000% have a chance. <laughs> yeah. When Whitney and I had our lunch, uh, she told me her story and I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. You have the opposite experience of me because I was never jealous. And so I don't really relate sort of personally on an empathic level, uh, with, with the people who have that, um, but to hear her story that she could overcome that amount of jealousy, that level of jealousy that she started out with, I'm like, oh my God, perfect. There's a perfect example that this is right. so doable. Yeah. <laughs> I need to bring some of my ex-boyfriends on here. So I know you got some stories. Oh, that's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> I can't wait for Yeah, that. you should totally God. do that. Now, uh, I, I know we're running out of time, but I do want to point out that you can do that personal growth just because I, I, I don't want to leave people thinking, well, th- this is the only way you can grow in your relationship, no. right? Right. That if you have to open up, you have to no. like make yourself jealous or, or make your partner make you jealous in order to, to do this personal growth. You don't have to. You no. can have these open, vulnerable conversations about the things that you feel are your weaknesses or insecurities, even in a monogamous relationship. It's just that very often we don't do that. We're mm-hmm. not pushed to do that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you open up, you're sort of confronted with this, whether you wanted it or not, you don't have to bring it up yourself. It puts something, a magnifying glass yeah, on it. Something your partner does will sort of automatically just trigger that reaction in you and then you have to deal with it. Whereas in um, in monogamy, if, if you're not engaging in those kinds of behaviors, then you would kind of have to find other ways to bring some of these issues up. and Which is totally know, possible. Which and is doable. totally possible. Yeah, there's so much that you know, exercises that you use and communication that I use, that we all use um, in open relationships and poly relationships that can 1,000% benefit monogamous, strictly mm-hmm. monogamous relationships. Even like the there's talking, so much overlay. Even the mm-hmm. model of right. just talking it out and sitting there, not stonewalling, not storming away, not mm-hmm. criticizing. That is an incredible example that poly and open people can yeah, give the monogamous. one thing that prevents people from having a lot of these open conversations is the the fear of acknowledging a desire for somebody else or mm-hmm. a fantasy for somebody else. They feel like they have to remain completely monogamous in their thoughts and uh. fantasies and dreams and whatever. Otherwise, their partner won't take it. And I think that's one thing that we really Mm. need to dispel that 95% of people in relationships report having fantasized about someone other than their primary partner. Yeah. Like 95% of relationships, of people in relationships. Yeah. And if you only take the people who've been in relationships for a long period of time, it's, you know, 98%. So this is such a universal experience that doesn't say anything about anything. Right. including the fact whether you want to do something or not. But if you can have that openness, if you can have that or an, an ability to just accept that your partner may have desired someone else, that allows you or had fantasized about somebody else, 
and may not ever want to do anything about it, that opens up the possibility for you to have many of these vulnerable conversations without ever doing anything with anyone else. And thankfully, if you want to do it, there is now an online course with different modules addressing all kinds of issues. Yep. Okay, <laughs> Jana, Dr. Jana, how can people find you? How can they sign up for your course? Follow you on social media. People want more Dr. Jana. Where do they get it? <laughs> drjana.com, D-R-Z-H-A-N-A.com, at Dr. Jana on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Cool. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. This is fun. Thanks for the work you're doing to change things, change relationships. That's big. Thanks for having me on. Such a fun episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did, please go on to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, It really helps the success of the podcast and spreading this message. Much love, guys.